Hello, my name is Dustin Hosseini, and this is the Digital Education Practices Podcast. Okay, today I'm joined by uh, Amanda Rasmussen, or Rasmussen, depending on how she prefers the pronunciation. Um, Amanda, would you like to tell us about yourself a little bit first? Sure, sure. I'm an assistant professor in the School of Biosciences at the University of Nottingham. Uh, I'm research and teaching, so my research is on how plants respond to different environments, which is also the teaching module that I'm going to talk about today. So, uh, and a little bit of context to my teaching background is I did a graduate certificate in higher education at the University of Queensland while I was doing my PhD, and I developed a team training program during that project for undergraduates, which we implemented there with the support of Louise Kuschel, who I still collaborate with. And that was for a class of 570 students. So just to give you some context of class sizes and the way these programs can work. Okay, perfect. And as someone who doesn't work in the sciences, is that a lab-based science? It can be. So um, the module that I run is not a lab-based module um, because the way it works for us is we, this is a 10 credit module, so we only have three hours contact per week. And so most of it is, well, originally was sort of traditional lectures uh, and the students would write essays. Uh, and I try and make it a little bit more interactive now. So the students have a semester long project to do instead of the essays, which also cuts out some of my marking load, which everybody loves, right? So <laughs> yeah, so it's not it's not a lab-based module in this case. The only reason I asked that is because I realize recently, well, the last few weeks, but months, a lot of people are interested in finding out maybe how lab-based sciences can be kind of taught in this current situation. But we can touch a bit on that later if you have any ideas. Yeah. So to get back to our original talk, what are you going to talk to us about today? So today I thought I'd share with you uh, a modernized extension to the team training that I developed several years ago in Australia. So the original project I uh, had four compulsory tutorial sessions to teach students how to work in teams. Uh, and that was spread out across the semester. And this time, the, the version that I'm going to tell you about today in a third year class, right from January, included the use of Microsoft Teams as a collaborative software. Uh, and there's a number of reasons I wanted to use that well before the COVID-19 situation. One is that students were on different campuses. So at Nottingham, we have City Campus at University Park. And we also have the Sutton Bonington Campus where I'm physically based, normally. <laughs> Not right now, obviously. And so... There is a bus, but it makes their collaboration between teams a lot more difficult, especially when they're still just learning how to do teams and they all have different modules. So one of the reasons for the collaborative software was to make students more connected on different campuses. Uh, but also these collaborative softwares, whether it's Microsoft Teams or Slack or any of the others, um, they're used really widely in almost any industry now. So you can use those lovely catchwords like employability skills, which I actually think are very important and, and very rarely explicitly taught. Uh, and like I said, I, I also wanted to reduce my marking load. So in the past, they used to write two essays all due at the end of the semester. And so now they, as part of this team, they only submit six submissions out of a class of 24. So there's a, a few really good things there. And so the way I wanted to do this was to get the students to do a semester long documentary video. Well, the, the video wasn't a semester long, obviously, but they had a semester to create it. It was to be 10 to 15 minutes long and they worked in groups of four. And the topic was they had a choice of six topics that were linked to how plants respond to different soil environments. So that's the context 
from the mod the module content. So the way the semester kind of was planned out, they had a compulsory tutorial in week two, uh, and that was where they learned to use Microsoft Teams. They get to know their team and they start discussing the more specific detail of what they would like to cover in their documentary video. A couple of weeks later, they had another compulsory Teams training session, which was uh, about negotiation. So what happens if you've got a problem or how do you solve differences of opinion? And then the week after that, they had a poster due, which was just supposed to outline the science that they were going to cover in the documentary. This is not meant to be an environmental lobbying video. It's meant to be a science video. So I wanted to make sure they had appropriate content and had read the right papers. And so they had already started on their research at that point. They also had to submit a storyboard, which covered the flow of the ideas. So just like writing an essay in a documentary, they have to present a coherent story. And so the storyboard was just meant to be a list of what they're going to say or show at different time points across the video to make sure that I could give them some feedback nice and early that they are covering firstly the right types of things and that they've thought carefully about how much time to spend on each section. And then we went into lockdown <laughs> and everything everywhere went on its head, as we all know. <laughs> By chance, one week after lockdown, we had the third training session programmed, the compulsory training session programmed. And that session was about reflecting on your own behavior in the team and the team as a whole. So they had to think about, have they done what they said they would do? Has the team been doing what they said they would do? And it was all linked back to the things they discussed in the first training session. But it's also then about how do we move forward? And that was incredibly fortuitous, uh, I think, during lockdown, because I video called each team one by one, and we could discuss how they were going to overcome the challenges of working on a team assignment in isolation. Uh, and so things they were worried about was how are they going to do editing together if they're all in isolation and how are we going to interview people and how are we going to do all these different tasks? But as a team, uh, having a meeting is fine. You know, they can all video call. But, I, you know, I had to teach them then how to share the screens and then they were doing um, video interviews with people. I mean, one of the groups decided if they can't do it, the interviews in person anyway, they would just interview someone from the US because they could. So I was quite impressed with the level of thinking outside the box that they demonstrated once they realized they could do it. Uh, and so that, that, that week, I think, was incredibly important in the grand scheme of things, more so than it would have been normally, I think, um, because the students were then able to think forward and problem solve what they were going to, how they were going to overcome some of these challenges. Uh, and then the fourth session was about negotiating contribution because one of the things in the semester marking scheme was that if someone didn't pull their weight or was not playing as a team player, then the team could, they could negotiate the contributions that each person had contributed. And then based on that, I would scale the final marks. So if someone hadn't contributed contributed as much, then they would get less percentage of the total mark than the others. And I always hope that's never necessary. Um, obviously, uh, and actually in my experience, even with the work that we did in Australia is that just having that is almost enough incentive for everybody to pull their weight. <laughs> so, um, happily we didn't have any problems. We had a couple of the groups contact me about things they were perhaps a little worried about and we solved them, um, rather than letting them become a problem. So, so that's there as an option, but it wasn't used this year, which is good. And then they submit their video. We watch it in the last session, at least that was the plan. Everybody signed in except one student who's in a different time zone now. And we started playing one of the videos and then we had a storm running through Nottingham and my internet went down. So as did one of the other professors who were teaching on the class. So um, sadly, we couldn't watch the videos all together this year. But 
Normally, we would have watched all the videos together in class to celebrate the end of semester. So that's okay. kind of the, the module. <laughs> well, let me ask. So just uh, can you rehash what level of the, what level was this for? Absolutely. So this is a third year module. There's 24 in the class. Okay, because this reminds me of a module that I worked on at uh, St. Andrews. Uh, very similar. It was for foundation students, uh, but the output was more or less the same. Mm-hmm. So a 10 to 15 minute uh, video groups of four. Actually, I think they had slightly larger groups, but four to five, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe six. And then they did have to do a storyboard. Yep. Uh, did I miss something? There was a storyboard. What else did they have? Uh, they did a poster. A poster as well. Okay. Yep. Um, and how did that link in with the video? So the poster was explicitly the science that they were going to cover in the video. So the marking, I made it, so we have these sets of marking criteria for each type of assessment students normally do. Um, I had to make one for the video because we've never done that before. And that, that's fine. I like doing that. But I also made a separate one for the or the poster different to the normal marking criteria because I didn't want them to spend a lot of time on the visuals. I wanted them to explain the science. So they needed to have genetic pathways. They needed to have physiological pathways. They needed to talk about hormones. They needed to talk about whether the leaves open or close, depending on if it's a drought or not. Or you know, So they needed to show that they had the science understanding of the processes. Uh, and they had to submit a list of papers they'd read and you know so that was all part of the poster so it wasn't about the visuals on the poster it was just meant to be an easy way to show the science that they were going to cover in the video and since the video is a visual format anyway it's it's kind of a shorter way of doing what they were going to do in the video and actually one of the groups used their poster as the template for their video so it was even in the video (laughs) so so that's kind of yeah a nice way of leading them into it and making sure they'd done some of the research early in semester because we know how students like to leave things to the last minute we're just curious, since you had them do a poster anyway, I know that a lot of the sciences and some other subjects as well, are they use poster presentations regularly. Did you also build in that poster presentation because they would probably have to do this you know, later if they did a master? Yeah, I mean, po- poster presentations are an important part of communication no matter what you're in. And when I put in the poster presentation, I know that they do posters for other modules, which is why I wasn't too worried about the visual side of it. So I didn't want them to spend lots of time making pretty artwork. I wanted them to think about the science. But yes, posters are incredibly powerful. I mean, even just thinking about infographics now, uh, it's a slightly different form of a poster, but it's the same idea as communicating information quickly and visually. And going back to the very beginning, so before you had a lot of larger essays, I guess, or larger projects that they did. Yeah, so they were 1,000 to 1,500 word essays, two of them each. <laughs> two of them each. Yeah. So, and how many students are we talking about? Uh, so this year we have 24. Last year we had 31. So it's that kind of um, numbers. Okay. But that's still a large number because some, some of the universities might have even larger numbers. So if they're doing that same amount of work, yeah. marking, that's okay. <laughs> it's a lot of marking. Um, <laughs> in terms of the student experience, how do you think they've taken to the kind of less writing, more creativity. And the reason I ask that is because I know that a lot of university programs put this huge emphasis, especially in the UK, um, not talking about any other countries, on essay writing. Yes. Essay writing reports. And then suddenly when they get to the real world, oh, you don't have to write anything. You have to work with people and communicate. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. how, <laughs> so how did that kind of affect their student experience? Because obviously 
I would assume, maybe incorrectly, that they would have been writing throughout those first two years, and suddenly year three, oh no, we have to create something. Well, interestingly, um, actually, one of the reasons that I planned to make the change away from essays was because this is the second semester, so it's the spring semester, of their dissertation year. So not only are they doing essays for other, like for everything and have done all the way along through their degree, but they're also having to produce a significant document for their projects. Uh, and they're all fed up with writing. Like last year, the students, I mean, I've always had really good interactions with the students in this class because it's um, an optional module for most degree programs. So it's, they don't have to do it. So they choose to be there. And, and a lot of the time they've, they've been very positive, but you can, you start talking to them and they're just so fed up with writing. And, and frankly, we're all fed up with marking essays. <laughs> so, um, one of the reasons I changed it was to give them a diversity of, of something to do that's not the same writing pressure that they have to do for their project. And actually, the biggest concern I had was about group work because students tend to hate group work. And by third year, they've already built this perspective that working in a team is painful. <laughs> I've had students since the semester ended for that class, I've had them emailing me saying, you know, I was really worried about doing this module because of the group work, but it has been my favorite module this semester. Uh, and the team worked well and the training helped. And, you know, so between, I think I had 12 different emails, so that's half the class emailed me in the last week saying how much they enjoyed the class. Um, we're, we haven't done the formal evaluation yet, but, but we will. For me, that's the best thing ever because they had to do something very strange in comparison to what they normally have to do they had to do it in isolation <laughs> and and they had to overcome their their perspective of how teamwork is difficult because it's not it just means that i think i think i guess to harp on a bit about how important teamwork is uh, i think a lot of the problems with other teamwork assignments is that we just expect them to do it just go and do it and it, but actually teamwork is a set of skills all on its own uh, and we need to give them those skills so that's what the teamwork the team training tutorials are all about. So the first one is about who's in your team, what kind of personalities do we have? And, and now we start talking about um, inclusivity, right? Because some students are very shy. They don't want to be on camera or they don't want to give the poster presentation, but they're perfectly happy holding a camera or doing the some of the you know extra research in the literature or, you know, and, and the point is an end product. I don't, and I told them this right from the beginning, I don't actually care who does what. I want you to produce a product at the end that's great and they did and they did this in isolation <laughs> i mean some of these videos uh we're going to make a youtube channel and i'll share the link with everyone because the quality of the documentaries they created you would never have guessed they did this in isolation and i think they could all see that themselves that they had done this so in terms of the student perspective initially there was a lot of hesitation i think but at the end they had all thoroughly enjoyed it and I mean, they had to learn all kinds of extra skills because we had to learn, I mean, together, including me, <laughs> we had to learn all the GDPR rules and we had to learn about the safety of filming in public, although they didn't end up filming in public. We didn't know that at the beginning. And then when we went into lockdown, they had to work out all the copyright rules for using online material like YouTube footage for their own videos. And where are the limits and what are we allowed to do and what are we not allowed to do? <laughs> so um, there's a lot of a lot more skills, I think, that they ended up learning, and I learned as well along the way, than what we had originally anticipated, I think. Um, so it's been, I think they've all 
enjoyed it and learned how how to how to work in teams in strange environments. <laughs> and also, just going back, I know that you're referring to teams as in Microsoft Teams, but as far as the behaviors, you know, trying to get students to develop certain behaviors, uh, how did you create those actual teams apart mm-hmm. from the Microsoft Teams? So how did you create yeah. those teams? Were they self-selecting? How did that process go? Sure. And I'll, I'll try and use the word groups for the groups rather than teams because I know it's very confusing terminology now. <laughs> so the groups I allocated, I, well, so what I did was they gave, I gave them the six options and they had to pick their three favorite in order of one, two, three. And then I allocated the students into as best as possible their first choice, but to make sure the numbers were even and also to make sure that I mixed up the group so that all the environmental science students weren't in one group and all the plant science students weren't all in one group and all the crop science students weren't all in one group. I deliberately did mix them up. And part of that is because the point that I try to get across, like one of the core concepts that I try and get across in that module is that plants are integrated systems. So they need to understand that there is an environmental context. The plant then responds through physiological responses, which can then influence genetics, which can then influence other physiological processes, which can then change the anatomical features of a plant species. I mean, this we're now, of course, talking on an almost evolutionary scale. So there are different plants specifically adapted to different environments. And so this is the kind of thing I wanted them to get out of it. And the environmental science students present this amazing background of the bigger picture. And the plant science students have very much more the molecular detailed understanding of of that side of the story. So I wanted deliberately to mix up the experiences in the group, but I also wanted them to have some level of free choice. So so I I did give them their first or second choice, but then I did mix the groups up um, across the different degree programs. All right, that sounds really interesting because I was running a module in my own university called uh, Management 160, and it was a similar rationale. I wanted to mix the departments up. This is for 1,200 students. So I wanted to mix the departments up because I wanted to get them as many perspectives as possible. I think that's what you were trying to do. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Because when you're in your silo, you forget what's outside of your silo and you forget how other people in different, you know, kind of departments think. But one thing on this module I was also leading on, the assessment was a podcast and I've gotten the feedback the module it wasn't perfect because it was fully online from last from uh, January actually, so it was well before this yep. situation. Mm-hmm. But from looking at the feedback, glancing at it, it seemed like they all enjoyed creating the podcast itself. Yes. So they yeah. really liked that creative process. Yeah. But and I wanted to link that to employability. So what graduate attributes or employability aspects do you think were developed through students doing what you did with them? I, I think it was a lot more than I originally anticipated. So what I was hoping to give them, and I think they've achieved this, is an understanding of how to go about setting up a new a new group when you're working in a new group of people. How do you go about getting a cohesive, productive team? And how do you then work with those people, whether they're in the same space or in different places? So this is that collaborative software side of things. And that that's kind of what I wanted them to get. And it, From a science perspective, I wanted them to get a much deeper understanding of one aspect of how plants respond to different environments. And that's that's why they only had to do a video on one topic, of course, not on everything. (laughs) So I wanted them to go into detail. Uh, And in the lectures, I cover everything but broadly. And so I think I think. 
they learned that. That was my main goal was was that side of it. But I actually think they learned all kinds of things. Like if they're going to make a video and make it public, what do I need to know about getting permission to interview people? What about if I'm filming in public? Do I need information flyers? Um, how do I, I give people a chance to pull out or to see the information before it gets made public? How do I use footage and cite it appropriately uh, in a video? Um, and this, I think, is something that I've learned a lot from for next year as well is, is giving them a bit more guidance on that. They all put all the references up, but I think we need to fine tune that a little bit more. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, all these skills, I think, are going to be practical because there are so many things that different companies or businesses or consulting that they do now is, is make videos on how to do something or to publicize whatever it is that they are doing. Uh, and that all all of these kind of legalities are important for that. So I think they learned a lot more in terms of transferable skills than I had actually anticipated. <laughs> yes, well, it sounds like they would have greatly developed critical thinking, mm -hmm. uh, collaboration and group work, which you said mm -hmm. was a, a worry, but it's a worry across universities, even in you know uh, where I work, there's a big reticence or fear around group work, but it's like, well, you're going to have to do it when you graduate anyway. Yeah. Um, my argument or view would probably be that it has to start in year one. You have to set them up really nicely and treat them like adults. Yeah. Um, and also get their views too, because yeah, absolutely. Can work, yeah, bridge the gap, so to speak. Yeah. Just to fill in some of the gaps for you as well, I think you were also developing their media and digital literacies. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And then, of course, especially for scientists, their communication skills. Yeah. Um, Similarly, computer scientists, for example, they're always in front of a computer. They don't really end up before an audience, which is kind of strange because uh, in most computer science programs in your in the last year, they'll write a dissertation and they might have a presentation and they've never done that. They've never written. They've never had to present really. So I would expect it's similar for some of the hard sciences and lab sciences where they need the communication skills, but they're not being given them. Yeah, I think, I mean, this is one of the things I think we do quite well here, and we certainly did it quite well in Australia as well, is there's a lot of presentations. Students have to get up and give talks at certainly in second year and definitely in third year, and quite possibly in some of the first year modules too. I'm not, not quite sure as much in the first year modules, but definitely in second and third year. And they get a lot of feedback in the second year on their presentation skills. But a lot of students also find that incredibly, you know, filled with anxiety because it's live. And standing up in front of people can be very frightening for some people. Uh, and this is where I think the video is really nice because it's not live. They can edit as many times as they want. And it's a very inclusive way of, um, of studying because they don't all have to be in front of the camera. They all have to be present, as in when we give the poster presentation, they have to be there. And But they don't have to give the presentation. One of the other people in the team can give it. So they're kind of getting the exposure to the presentation and some almost safe space to do it where they can edit and, and cut out what they've said if they've messed up somewhere. But they, but like I said, it's, it's a little less anxiety-ridden. I mean, you'd think standing in front of a camera is very nerve-wracking, but when you realise it's not live, it's actually a lot easier <laughs> to, uh, to do, I think. Um, so, yes, no, I agree. absolutely. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, um, also what I usually ask our speakers who join in, would you be willing to share any maybe examples or templates? I mean, if you're going to make the videos public anyway, we could obviously share those, but 
you know, storyboarding, because I know that some people will be interested in this, but the first thing they always ask is, can I have an example? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What I'll do is I'll, I'll share with, with everyone uh, the team training package. So the way I set this up the first year we did it was there's a student um, handout and then there's the teacher handout. Um, because, I mean, the first time I did this in Australia, we had uh, 20 demonstrators that I had to train as well as then run the session on students because I couldn't do that myself. So um, so I had a set of instructions for the, the, the demonstrators on how to actually run the session. So I've got the teaching and the, the handouts for the students. When I use Teams, they all just went into Teams so that I just uploaded the files to Teams. Uh, we also published the original team training set of information and the evaluation, so I can share that as well. Uh, and yeah, I'd be happy to share the link to the YouTube channel when we get there. Uh, and we are going to publish this uh, a little bit later in, in the summer. So um, happy to share that when it's made it through review, <laughs> if that's helpful. Okay, perfect. Yes, that's very good. Well, thank you very much for joining today. It's been really interesting hearing about how things are going over there and how you've managed to have a very successful kind of hybrid technology, well, hybrid pedagogy, so to speak, mm-hmm. because in effect, that's what you wanted to do and that's what you were able to do. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I mean, the other thing just to say is that it's an incredibly resilient way to do it because not only have we had COVID this year, but earlier in the semester we had the floods. And so having teams already functional meant that students who couldn't make it into class were able to sign in through the video. Uh, so I think this hybrid way of working is something we should be thinking more about regardless uh, in the future. Definitely. Well, thank you very much again today, Amanda. Great. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you.